This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Oh, Oh my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. There's the outage, and for me personally, it feels a bit odd being in the hosting chair as this marks week number three that I have not been behind the mic for the neutral zone. So good to be back, and uh, thank you for uh, Cam and Josh, who covered tremendously whilst I was at my uh, bachelor party. And uh, it was a good time, got married all in the same process. I'm happy to report, still happily married uh, three weeks in, so all is well and good, and I'm happy to have my co-host alongside me today. Let's start with Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing good. It's another phenomenal Friday, which is uh, really good. Um, And yeah, uh, congratulations on your marriage and uh, for not getting thrown in jail after your bachelor party, so all positive things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wasn't the plan to get thrown in, into jail, but you never do know what happens on those uh, bachelor parties. So it, we survived and we did well. Uh, also joining us is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I am a little bit under the weather, getting over a bit of a cold, but I have to say, Brock, your wedding was both a blast and beautifully run as well. So uh, yeah, it was a good time and glad to know that things are are still going well three weeks in. Yes, yes, they are still going well. There was one, one catastrophe. And as I've heard uh, from people who've had weddings, one catastrophe is almost like nothing. I uh, That's like a miracle. Getting, <laughs> I know. I ended up getting my wheel uh, caught in the uh, table leg of our cupcake and and cake stand, and I pulled the entire uh, stand on the floor. So it was all well and good. Everything's been recovered. The uh, lovely glass-blown uh, cake topper is going to be redone. The uh, anniversary cake that you have for the one year has been recovered. It's in my freezer, and we salvaged most of the cupcakes. But in the moment, I was mortified. And as I talk to people, a lot of people are like, I didn't even know that happened. So obviously, this is was something I was able to do incognito. But it just in the moment, it was like, Oh, my goodness, I made the thing happen. that everyone's <laughs> gonna talk about at your wedding. But it's, it's, you know, all good, all good. And the you know, the- I, I saw the cupcakes on the floor. And I, I had no idea what had happened. So yes, you you were very sneaky about it. And, and you Rock, know, uh, should we have a moment of silence for the cupcakes that were lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Actually, it's the truth of the matter is probably probably that's the case. But uh, it's it's a lesson learned where it was an early lesson learned that you know you should uh, make sure that you listen to your wife because after the ceremonial cake cutting, she said, "I will be back. I'm just going to wash my hands." And I did not hear that, so I just followed her as her newly husband, and instead I pulled the entire thing down. So all good, had some wonderful times, and we had about 127 people at 
the ceremony and about 115 or so at the reception. So all in all, good times and uh, all things are pointed well. We're headed towards our cruise, which will be next summer, which will be our official honeymoon, which we're looking forward to. But lots of stuff to take care of between now and then, including our headlines. Let's do it. The Toronto Maple Leafs have promoted Dr. Haley Wickenheiser to assistant general manager. Mike Greer was officially named general manager of the San Jose Sharks, making him the first black GM in the NHL's 105-year history. Now, 105 years is a very long time, and this should have happened years before. Um, At the end of the day, we're all equals, and the world is uh, working towards that to be a more equitable society. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, it's not perfect, but at least we're getting somewhere. Yes, and uh, those are your headlines, at least for now. We do have one more in a couple of minutes. But uh, we're going to get to our Twitter polls, which there are many of them because we have not been on the air as of late. So let's go back to the first one. Do you consider the Golden State Warriors a dynasty? 77% of you said yes, 23% of you said no. Then the next one was, how would you feel if Kevin Durant came to the Toronto Raptors? 73% of you said, I love it. 11% of you said, I hate it. 16% of you said, you're dreaming. Now, this one for this week, we kind of have some of the answers already, but it's still out there. The slumping Blue Jays, what do you think is their biggest need? Pitching, position players, or a new manager. You can cast your votes at our Twitter handle, which will be given out in a bit on the program. Before we go to break, we would like to send out our condolences to Mark Budzinski and his family after the tragic death of his 17-year-old daughter, Julia Budzinski, after a fatal tubing accident. On behalf of everyone on the Neutral Zone, we send out our condolences, and may you and your family get the healing you need We'll be back. You never really know what kind of conversation you'll get up to in the uh, two-minute break that we have uh, before each new segment. Today, the first conversation was spawned off of the Double Tap Canada commercial, and we got into talking about our heritage. So, you just never know what happens when when you're on the neutral zone. You never know. You always got to be on your toes here. Uh, As we do at this time on most every show as we welcome in a guest, and today we're welcoming in Danielle Doris, who recently competed at the 2022 uh, Para Swimming World Championships held in Budapest, Hungary. World champion Danielle Doris joins us now from Moncton, New Brunswick. Danielle, thanks so much for uh, joining us and pushing this back a week because of the lovely outage. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm super glad we could reschedule. 
So, Danielle, uh, let's talk about when you hear the words world champion. How does that feel and what does it mean to you? Um, it feels interesting. I'll say that. Um, it's not a title that I thought I would ever get when I was younger, um, but having it now, it just feels like it's just a part of who I am and it's a title that I'll wear proudly. Now, for those of you who don't know what some of the, what are some of the differences between the world championships of swimming and say the Paralympic games? Right. So I think the main difference is that for world para swimming, it's just swimming. Whereas at the Paralympic games, it's um, every sport um, within the para world. So that's, one of the main differences so we're not in a village we're at a hotel that the the competition will will send us to for worlds and um it's a different atmosphere because it's not um within the village it's not within like a big venue it's just uh it's like kind of every other meet except it's like seven days long (laughs) um whereas at the Paralympics, it's almost a 10 day meet. So it's, it's, there's, there's quite a few differences, but all in all, it's all swimming. So it's, they're also very similar in the same ways. So can you walk us through that women's 50 meter butterfly in the S seven category where you had the gold medal swim? Yeah. Um, so Going into that day, we uh, were going straight to finals, so we didn't have the opportunity to swim in the morning. So we came in at night, and uh, I was very, um, I was kind of relaxed. I was going in, going to have fun, and seeing what I could do based off of the year that I had. And I'm very happy with the results, having won, and very happy for my teammates as well who uh, won bronze and um, it was amazing to have somebody on the podium with me um, from Canada uh, celebrating uh, each other. It was, um, it was a fun day and it's definitely a fun race uh, to, to do. You get to the venue and you've gone through your day despite not being able to practice and you jump into the pool for this 50 meter butterfly. Uh, do you have a, like a different feeling than what you've had in other races that kind of gave you this sense that it was going to be just a slightly different race than what you've done in the past? Um, yeah, I would say so. Cause, um, for my 50 fly, it's, it's my it's my event so it's it's always going to be something special whether it be a best time or not so having it not been a best time this time but still achieving a world title it it's incredible and it's definitely um a feeling of something special for sure and it's um it's fun and uh I'm very happy with the way it went and how the feeling of it all uh, went as well. It's, it's, it was a magical time that I'm very happy I got to go through. We're joined by world champion 
para swimmer in the S7 Butterfly, Danielle Doris. And of course, you're listening to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI Audio. I'm joined by Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins. And of course, I'm your host, Brock Richardson. Now, I know that you also did the backstroke in the S7 category, and it was 100 meters. Um, and you finished second, which was another phenomenal race. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that race and maybe talk a little bit about, I know a butterfly might be your, um, you know, peanut butter and jam or your best event. Uh, can you maybe describe a little bit about the backstroke and where that fits into your repertoire? Yeah, so backstroke um, is definitely my second best event, um, purely because it is another leg-driven swim. Um, so during, uh, the hundred back where I finished second, um, I was, um, leading for most of it, but then near the end, it's where I get caught because everyone has the arm power to pull ahead of me, whereas my legs are starting to give out. Uh, so I end up second, which is perfectly fine because, uh, I finished second in Tokyo as well in the hundred backstroke, um, as seven. And so having to repeat that again, is um, great. And, uh, I was happy I got to swim um, the race uh, the way I wanted it to go um, and not having any, uh, um, I don't know how to, like, any, like, things going wrong. It, it all went very well and what I wanted it to be. You also had a fifth place race um, at the event. Is that a race that you are still uh, working on to kind of get into the same mindset and um, c- to try to podium in, in future uh, competitions? And and what does that look like in comparison to uh, the races that you, uh, like you said, go into feeling confident and, and very much end up um, in, in the top three? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for that 200 IM, which is where I finished fifth, um, we're definitely still working on it. It's it's a tricky swim because it has all four strokes combined into one. So it starts with the fly in the back, which are my two best of, two best strokes, and then it goes into breaststroke, which is not very friendly to little old Danny here. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely getting worked on, and we're definitely working on a way to improve it so that it could become a contender for a podium. And uh, it's different feeling because it's also my longest event so I'm also at the same time dreading getting into the water because it's such a long event for me and it's um but it's also a very fun race just because it has all four strokes as well um it's it's definitely it's definitely a different swim that I'm very happy that we're working on uh getting it to be where I want it to be in the in the near future so um, myself and I'm sure a lot of other people follow you on social media. And every time I see your posts, uh, the thought comes up, where in the world is uh, Daniel Doris now? And uh, was this your first time in Budapest? And what was it like being there for those championships? Um, so... <laughs> Um, it's a little hard to answer that question because the World Paris Series wasn't actually in Budapest. It was in Madeira, Portugal. <laughs> it, you were 
you're uh, mixing it up with the able-bodied side who did go to Budapest this summer as well. Um, oh, sorry about but to that. answer the question, uh, no worries at all. Uh, but to answer the question of uh, being in Madeira, Portugal, it was beautiful, and I was very uh, excited to go there for the very first time. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a more better location. It was um, a sightseeing-wise. is just very beautiful. I would love to go again with my family one day. It's um it's a very nice place to have a meet where you wouldn't necessarily think of going. So it was a nice uh, surprise, and I definitely would love to go again. Yeah, Portugal uh, was one of my uh, favorite places to travel. It I, I don't know what it was about Portugal. It kind of has the feel of, like, new age and uh, and you know, some, some old age, if you will. And, and it's just a cool, a cool place to be. And I, I loved it as well. I wanted to go back and chat a little bit about your uh, 50 meter uh, gold medal race. And you said your words in our interview is that this is my race. Do, do you put a little bit more pressure on yourself going into a race like that when it is your race uh, in that this is the one I, I'm best at, if you will, and I should do well. And if it does go well, that's wonderful. And if it doesn't, it kind of stings a little bit more. Or do you have a way to kind of channel all that together? Yeah, so there is definitely a little bit of pressure uh, having um, the world record in that event. But uh at the same time, I'm very much a person who's like, go with the flow. So whatever happens, happens. And if it's a, an amazing race, then it's an amazing race. If it's not a very good race, then it's not a very good race. And I'll just do better next time. And that's how I view it all. I don't like to put pressure on myself. Others might put pressure on me, but they won't tell me until maybe afterwards. Where like, They're expecting me to do a little bit better. But at the same time, it's the results are what the results are. So... Um, all I can hope for is a good outcome. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. Is there, uh, okay. So many athletes have kind of this sense of, uh, when you're in a specific venue or a specific place in the world, or even a specific competition, uh, it just always seems to like go right and go smoothly. Do you have an event space or a place in the world that, when you're there, you just feel kind of more, more like, I guess, focused and, and kind of like in your space uh, and more feeling more ready for a race. Um, any single pool on earth is where I will feel that uh, feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any like specific uh, place that I would say is where I would do my best. I feel like I bring my best with me wherever I go. Now in saying that, uh, what is next for uh, you moving forward and, and leading up to say the next Paralympic games? So moving forward, we have a new world. Sorry. There's like a phone ringing in my house. Um, anyways, uh, moving forward, uh, next summer is another world, which will be happening in, in Birmingham, England, I believe. 
And uh, then after that, the summer after that is Paris, uh, the Paralympics in Paris, which will be very exciting. And I'm excited for both summers to come. Yes, it it just sounds like a lot of fun. And I got to say, you just gave us the classic athlete answer. And I love it when you said any pool is where I feel the most comfortable. I just love that answer, even though it's a little you know, some would say cliche, but no, no, if you're comfortable in a pool, you're comfortable in a pool. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope to have you on down the line to talk about more of your success moving forward. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure and I love talking to you guys. We definitely love having you as well. We appreciate it so very much. After the break, we're going to be discussing those Toronto Blue Jays, plus a little bit of the draft as there was some interesting things that took place. All of that coming up in the second half of the Neutral Zone. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm Brock Richardson alongside Cam Jenkins and Claire Buchanan. And there's so much to discuss regarding the Toronto Blue Jays. And we're just going to do as much of this as we can and uh, see where we get to. But having had some experience on this very thing, I want to chat a little bit about the death of Mark Budzinski's daughter, Julia, and the impact that can have on a team. The reason I bring this up is because in 2012, when I went to the Paralympic Games in London, I had just lost my grandfather, uh, literally a week or 10 days before we had to go to a major competition in preparation for these games. And I have to say that it really took a toll on myself and to some extent my team. Now, as many of you know, as we've talked year over year about this, uh, bocce is an individual and team sport, whereas baseball is specifically a team sport. And I really believe that this did have an impact on the team. And we'll give you some of the numbers in just a minute. But guys, if we just separate the results for just a second on the Toronto Blue Jays, what kind of impact as athletes in our own right do you guys believe something like this can have on a team? And for how long can it have on a team? Cameron, start with you on that. Yeah, it, it all comes down to how close you are uh, to said person. Um, so if, you know, Charlie Montoyo ended up going to the funeral on, I believe it was Monday. So, uh, you know, they probably had a close relationship and it probably, you know, um, really took its toll on Charlie Montoyo. Um, some of the other players, uh, you know, they might have, you know, obviously felt bad uh, because of what happened. But 
it's such an individualized thing where some people are like, okay, yeah, I feel bad for them, but it, it doesn't affect my life and doesn't affect, you know, my emotional um, well-being. Um, and then other ones that are very close to uh, that coach, you know, it could have affected them and their mood could have been down or, you know, uh, their hitting could have been off because of that. So it's such an ind- individual um, feeling I guess is the best way to say it that, you know, I, I don't know how much it, it would have affected the entire team and, you know, call me cold hearted, cold co-host for that. But yeah, I, I just don't know how it would have affected the entire team uh, that, that badly. You know what, that, that comment does, I don't think that makes you cold hearted at all. I You're absolutely right in that something like that is, it affects each person differently. So it's, it's definitely an overall experience that you're, that you're all involved in, but it's still an individual experience um, at the same time. And I can remember uh, back a few years, we were at selection camp actually. And, and uh, one of, one of the uh, goalies that were going to try out that year passed away uh, the night of our GM. And, uh, so, and yes, it, it affected us, um, as a group and as a team and a team sport and, and something you looked forward to in a a season, uh, with that individual. And, um, but again, it, it was still different for each of us individually because, uh, you have a different connect. Each person has a different connection with, with that person. And so it is different and I can see how it could affect, uh, people, uh, like in the, in the next coming games and, and even in the long run, but, uh, even before this tragedy, it's, uh, they were already kind of experiencing, uh, just negative outcomes from their games. So, uh, this was just another kind of kick in the teeth when they were already down and, and it sucks. And, uh, hopefully they are not just that family, but the team as a whole, I hope that they are obviously getting, uh, the support that they, they need and, and also, uh, advocating for themselves if they do that, if they do need that support. There was that moment too, between, uh, uh, Charlie and Mark in the homestand of um, when they played the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and there was a bit of an exchange between the two. And then you saw Charlie and Mark uh, both leave the field. And then, of course, uh, Charlie being the only one to to reemerge after that incident. And then we later on found out that that Mark Budzinski would um, be not around the team. Um, for some time and still not still not around the team uh, at this moment obviously and uh, yeah it's it's tough and I mean I chose when my grandfather passed away I chose to channel it and play for uh, my grandfather and and you know as athletes you you make that choice you you make the choice of you know how am I going to handle this am I going to handle this in a positive way and i say positive and only to say to channel it in a certain way or am i going to grieve this and i knew that for me my grandfather would have wanted me to play my heart out and that's what i chose to do and i would think that 
Mark would have would have said that to the team, you know, this is a loss that we're all going through and, and I want you guys to play, you know, for me in the right way. And it just depends on how everyone takes it. I agree with totally with what both of you said. Now, if we look at the on-field team, um, they've had their struggles since the last time we've been on uh, this program. They lost uh, four out of five against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then they went on the Oakland and Seattle West Coast trip and only lost, only won one game out of the uh, seven they were on the road for. Then Charlie Montoyo and the team came back to Toronto and they won their first game uh, coming off of this uh, road trip. And then we found out that Charlie Montoyo was subsequently relieved of his duties. Now, John Snyder takes over with 70-plus games remaining. Uh, just thoughts, guys. I guess I'll put, pose the question here. Were you surprised, Claire, at the decision to relieve Charlie of his duties? No, I'm surprised at the timing, really. I mean, he they gave him an, an extension only three months ago, and there was high hopes at the beginning of the season. And also I think the same level uh, as high hopes at the beginning of last season as well, and barely scraped by um, didn't make it into uh, the playoffs. So, and I think that in my opinion, that this move, uh, if anything should have been done at the end of last season, uh, it's, it's hard to say, and it's really it'll be really interesting to see if they can actually turn this around. Uh, yes, there's going to be a trade deadline and, and all this, but at the end of the day, every single team mostly uh, in the league right now is looking uh, to uh, add some pitching to their bullpen. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we can actually get our hands on. The writing was on the wall um, last year or a few months ago when they only gave Charlie uh, a one year and it had two option years, but they were both club options. So after, uh, and Charlie um, did a wonderful job managing the personalities of the team last year and comforting them. And you hear, uh, you know, different things um, from some of the insiders about how well he was able to treat the families of the players going from three different um, cities uh, to play last year. Um, but this year, like it's just been a tire fire again. And, you know, I think they, like Claire, I think that they should have fired him before this season started, but how can you really fire a guy that had 91 wins last year? Um, you've got to give him at least another bit of a chance, but they probably should have done it a few weeks ago, but I think they went on a bit of a winning streak against Boston and uh, another team, I believe, but hopefully they're not going back to their old ways because last night they lost to Kansas city and Kansas city mm -hmm. has like 10 players back in the States because they didn't take their COVID shot. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, um, Charlie Montoya seems to be a phenomenal person as far as dealing with people, um, as far as, you know, what they're going through, but um, he deserved to be fired. Two things I want to say here. 
Number one, I think we saw a little bit of a microcosm of what has been taking place with this team on the field the other day. If you recall, there was a play um, against, I believe, I feel like, yes, the was it the Reds? I think I think so. It was the Reds that they were playing, and um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made a uh, play at first base, and he very quickly motioned that this should not be reviewed because the runner was safe. And then Charlie and his staff decided to review this anyways. And then later on in that same game, they uh, had another play, which was called the wrong way yet again in the not favor of the Blue Jays. And they didn't have a challenge to use. I think that there's points in this season where there has been things that have been mismanaged by Charlie Montoyo and his staff. And I just think that some of this uh, is part of that. I also look at this team and I say, guys, this is the only move they could have made. They're obviously not moving players at this time. As big contracts as they are, we're not going to get a lot at the trade deadline because everyone's in the same pool looking for pitching. It's not happening. And the most puzzling thing for me was that GM Ross Adkins kept saying in the press conference, and maybe this is just you know, GM speak of, I wear this on myself. I wear this on myself. We all need to improve. And so was it fully Charlie Montoya's fault? No, I don't think so. But I think this is the only move they can make. Um, Were you guys as puzzled as I, or was this the only option yet again, that John Snyder was the guy when he basically said in his press conference in in a nice way, things are going to be basically status quo, except I'm a little more aggressive and I like to have fun, which I thought so did Charlie Montoyo, Claire. Yeah, I definitely thought that Charlie brought a, like a sense of humor and a little like made the uh, dugout a lot more light. You saw the guys uh, playing around and and really enjoying the game. And that's why everyone gets into sports is they love the game. And you can really, I think you could really truly see that Montoya loved what he did and he loved his players. And, and he had that kind of like human factor to him. He wasn't just coaching a team and he, he, he really put in the effort of um, uplifting his players and, and feeling like he had uh, like a relationship with his players as well. So it's, it sucks to see him go because you, you definitely, I, I know I like seeing that aspect in coaches and, um, but at the end of the day, like you can't, you can't just put it on, on the coach. Yes. But I mean, what else, what other move were they going to do? Like, um, they're not going to trade away their big players uh, just because they're not hitting the ball right now. Or, you know what I mean? You can't really, there's not a whole lot of options of of pieces to move around uh, in that situation. And uh, in my mind, it's, you can't win baseball games when you're only getting two or three runs. Let's be real here. Like they're, when they are on a team that should be getting nine. Like exactly, this team, like you know, these, like yeah, these guys should be one destroying teams like Kansas City uh, that have are missing ten players, and and they shouldn't be going on eight, nine, 
game losing streaks. This, this isn't something isn't working and it's. Yeah. But this is a, a matter of, should, it's a matter of shoulda, woulda, coulda, in my opinion. And at the end of the day, if Charlie Montoyo, like I said, he's great with the players. He kind of has that a friend mentality, it almost seems like, where he really cares, puts their arms around them. They're having fun. But when you're losing, you can't, you got to also kick a person in the butt. And from all accounts of what I've read and researched, Charlie Montoya wasn't that kind of guy. And they need a type of person that, I'll say taskmaster, for lack of a better way to say it, but somebody to say, hey, it's you're being paid quite well to play the game, and you need to end up uh, playing better. So you need to work on this or that. Or, um, you know, if it's uh, working on your mental game, working on that, because you know, it's not a party. You've got to do the job. And I think Charlie Montoyo just kind of let it go. And there's been reports, and I think Bo Bichette was one of them, that said, you know, we need a new voice. Yeah. I just want to... Sorry. They're probably really happy that the uh, Cincinnati Reds are uh, giving the Yankees a run for their money. Well, the Baltimore freaking Orioles are only like a game and a half or two games behind the Jays. The team that was like, what, lost 100 games last year and were in the same conversation as the Baltimore freaking Orioles? Come on. Yeah, and that's it. Like, we're we're somehow in the same conversation with teams that we shouldn't are we should be eons ahead of right now. And on paper, we are. Yes, but the game is not played on paper. And that's be the problem. I, I just want to correct uh, one thing I said earlier. The game that I was looking for where I thought that they may have lost Charlie Montoya was against the Philadelphia Phillies where there was that reviewable play that shouldn't have been reviewed and then was, and then there was one that wasn't. I just, I don't know. This team needs to be better at the things they should already be doing. Like, you're losing to a minor league team, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to what Kansas City's doing here in Toronto, but come on, like, like John Snyder should be disrespectful. (laughs) John John Snyder should be seven and oh, by the time his, his beginning ranking starts here, you know, and like, you're just, you're, you're not playing well. And I don't think you got to put that fully on Charlie Montoya. Now, is there another option that anyone could have done? No, not necessarily, but I just think this team as a whole need to play better because again you look at Kansas City what are they doing they're playing carefree they don't care this is their show me time where it's like I get to go play in the the major leagues I don't care I'm not gonna be here past this 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 road trip you know my my teammates will be back they are playing carefree why because Kansas City's already umpteen amount of games below 500 anyway so it's it, you gotta play to the teams that you need to beat and these guys are one of them, and right now they're playing too down on the standards of teams that they should not be doing. So, yeah. Well, and uh, Charlie just, Montoyo, at the end of the day, and I've said it so many times, he's horrible at managing the bullpen, uh, putting up the lineup card. He probably should have done quite a few changes to the lineup card as well. And at the beginning of the year, he was putting Jordan Romano out there so many times when he probably tired him out because he was out so much. He should have been putting other people in. So I 
to me, his biggest fault is managing the bullpen, and they've lost so many games because of that bullpen. And what's the first thing that John Snyder did? Because I heard somewhere that uh, Charlie Montoyo actually put out the lineup uh, before uh, the game that he was fired for. So John Snyder, game number two, decides, Bo Bichette, get out of that second spot. We're putting, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. there, and then we're going to put Alejandro Kirk. You have to make adjustments. And I know I'm hearing the audience out there go, yeah, but the manager doesn't play the game. Yeah, that's true and accurate, but the manager does have the keys to say, you know what, let's try this, let's try that. To me, many times, Charlie Montoyo was beating the same well and there was no water there so move someone and you know what and I hear Bo Bichette saying but I like hitting in the second hole well hit the ball and then you can stay there and unfortunately stay in the second hole otherwise he, go to the 8th or ninth spot and you have order yeah like prove prove to me your worth at the end of this and until you do that here's where you're gonna sit and and come hit the baseball and then we'll talk about moving you up into the second hole players have way too much um, cachet in the sense of well, I, and I'm not saying this is this is what Bobochet's saying, but it feels like it's well, I'm Bobochet and I want to hit in the second hole, so that's where I am. Well, no, if you're not producing, you got to get moved along, you know. In this case, so uh, yeah, I just think there's a lot that needs to be done. I liked seeing John Snyder do a little bit more hit and run, something that you know uh, Charlie didn't do a lot of. Do you guys think very quickly that John Snyder is the right guy to possibly lead this team to the playoffs? Cam, yes or no? And then Claire. Uh, one word answer, yes. I would have to agree, but uh, only time will tell. Yes, for sure. And 70-plus games is a lot of window in baseball when you have that extra team um, going into the playoffs. So we'll see what they do. And as Ross Adkins said, no matter what the end result of this season is, Charlie had something to say about it specifically. After the break, we're going to dive into a conversation about Shane Wright and some of the things that he had to say when he was not picked in the spot that he and a lot of other people thought he would be in this year's draft. Stay tuned for that conversation next here on The Neutral Zone. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone. Let's jump right into it. Cameron has some breaking news. The Toronto Maple Leafs signed forward Kelly Yarncroft to a four-year $8.4 million deal. Yarncroft scored 12 goals in 66 games last season for the Seattle Kraken and Calgary Flames. Very, very cool. Obviously, some uh, promise there with... Lots of money being doled out. Hopefully that works. I'm not so thrilled about the uh, Matt Murray situation, but we'll talk about free agents next week because I have a whole list of them from all Canadian teams. So stay tuned for that. But that is some cool breaking news. Thank you so much, Cameron. Um, As you would know, the draft took place for... 
2022. And uh, Shane Wright thought that he would be in the top three, as did a lot of prognosticators, when in fact he was taken fourth overall. And now if I was picked in any kind of draft fourth overall, I would be pretty thrilled. However, this is what he said in the media following. Quote, I'm going to have a cup on my shoulder from this for sure. This is just a little extra motivation, end quote. Uh, Thoughts on this, Cameron? What do you make of his comments? Yeah, uh, he was expected to go number one overall, or uh, at least as far as the, um, not the standings, but uh, the top prospects uh, went. So uh, with him dropping from one to four, of course, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder and uh, he's going to probably work really hard to prove to the other three teams that, hey, you should have picked me. So, yeah, I don't blame him for having a chip on his shoulder and I hope he has a phenomenal uh, first year. I, for one, yes, I, I love seeing the draft and, and seeing the build up to who goes number one and, and what team gets that player. Uh, at the end of the day, though, there's some of the greatest athletes of all time were either undrafted or well beyond outside of the top 10 or top 15 at the draft. So, uh, it's good to know that he has Shane Wright. Just you, you hear him speak, and you see the drive he has. That in itself, he's he's going to work his butt off for this team. Uh, he, he isn't where he expected to be. He's with a different team, but he's still going to work his butt off. So it's it's interesting because uh, I think the next day uh, Wayne Gretzky himself reached out and said, "You know what." I wasn't the first overall draft pick either. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, to me, the first overall pick and all that, yes, it's cool to see and and the lead up and kind of the limelight around it, but it doesn't matter. The the athletes that go out and and work harder than anybody else, those are the guys that are going to make the difference when the season actually starts. Yeah, and I think you have to remember too that Shane Wright has been passed over the uh, world junior team, not last year, but the year before when he had exceptional status in the OHL and all all was well. And everybody thought that he was a lock for the uh, world junior team, the first year of eligibility and wasn't. So this guy has been one to, you know, maybe rightfully so deserve a little chip on the shoulder, but, As he says, I'm going to use this as extra motivation. And if you're a Seattle Kraken fan or even with the organization, you love this because you're licking your chops saying, well, anything that gives you a little bit of extra motivation, we will take it. And I believe he will tear it up in Seattle and everything will be fine. And coming from Wayne Gretzky, a little bit of a mic drop uh, to say, hey, kid, I wasn't first overall. And I turned out to be just fine. So cool stuff. And I just learned something new. Gretzky was never drafted. That's, I never knew that. That's unbelievable. You'll learn something new every day. There you go. Uh, We want to get into a little bit of a discussion here. We now know that Toronto Maple Leafs have promoted Dr. Haley Wickenheiser as assistant general manager. We also know that Mike Greer was named the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, making him 
the first black GM in NHL's 105-year history, as we promoted in the headlines. But I just want to get thoughts from both of you. When is this going to be a conversation that becomes part of the norm? Are we getting closer, Claire? Because it still sort of feels like this is all historic. And I think at some point we need to get past that, Claire. I personally have reached that point. Like I am there. I, people send me, or I see these things happening on social media and yes, I'll share them and be excited about it, but this is where we're at. It's happening and it's going to continue to happen. And teams are going to get better because of it, because there's just different perspectives and lived experiences coming through. Um, I think Side note, I think Hockey Canada could use a lot more different hiring and diversity um, to bring that different perspective and kind of uh, curve curve the way in which uh, the culture is right now. Um, but yeah, I think we're here. Um, I might be a little biased as a female athlete myself and kind of being more engulfed in it. But uh, yeah, to me, we're here. Yeah, and I think um, this is the start of it, and you need to pick the best person for the job, and um, it's going to be a great day when we don't have to talk about whether it's a man or a woman. It's just this person was hired for the job because we feel they're the best person and not have to bring gender into it. So uh, looking very forward to that day happening at some point in time, um, and hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. And Dr. Haley Wickenheiser has done it at every level, deservedly so, needs to be in the position she's in. And and same with, you know, Mike Greer. They both need to be in the position they're in because obviously they've earned their time. They've, they've you know, pounded the pavement for years to get where they are. But I just need to get rid of the line of this is a historic move. It needs to move from that. And maybe we're not there today but we need to get there sometime very soon because the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is the first line you see uh, another historic move. And I just think we need to do those types of things just because they deserve where they're at. That is the end of our show for this week. I would like to thank Claire Buchanan and Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen and our manager of AMI audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend, and we're so happy to be back on the airways. Thank you for listening, as always.